Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Neighborhood Podcast, spelled NBHD. I am Tiana Thomas, and if you are new to the show, let me give you a quick rundown. Each week, my co-host Rachel Weiss and I will be interviewing local small businesses to give our listeners a glimpse into the people behind the business. NBHD will give you a whole new perspective into the world of small businesses so you know where to go to support local. A big shout out to our sponsor, Neighborhood Innovations, a business committed to showcasing small businesses as a way of the future. Now, on to the episode. Welcome everyone to episode five of the NBHD podcast. My name is Tiana Thomas. Um, It is just me today. Rachel Weiss is not available. You know, we are all full-time students, busy working girls, but we're still going to have an amazing episode. Today, I am here with Jackie Oakum, the founder and CEO of Strawberry Blonde Bakery. Jackie, do you mind saying hi? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so, so excited to have Jackie here with us today. So like I said, Jackie is the founder and owner of Strawberry Bond Bakery. If you haven't tried it, you absolutely have to. It's an incredible Ottawa-based bakery that serves a variety of baked goods, drinks, and other delicious snacks, including now pizza, which is insane to me. And the hook, everything they serve is entirely vegan, gluten-free, nut-free, and kosher. The bakery's mission stated right on their website is to create a place where people with alternative diets and food allergies could buy a treat without having to worry about cross-contamination, while also not having to compromise on taste or aesthetics. Our goodies taste just as good, nay, better than their conventional counterpart parts. Wow. Since its opening in the year 2013, Jackie and her business have truly made an impact on as a small business. They are known for their absolutely stunning treats, earning a whopping 13k followers on Instagram. Strawberry Blonde now has two operating locations in Ottawa, one at 111 Richmond Road in Westboro and the other located at 767 Silver 7 Road, Unit 17 in Canada. That's a lot of sevens. This is So this is such an incredible and amazing small business. I am so excited to be working with them today. And so we are proud to have them as our very first storefront guest. And by that, I mean all of our guests so far have been... Instagram or online-based businesses, which is incredible, but it's so exciting, especially with our partner, Neighborhood Innovations, and all they are doing to help small businesses such as Strawberry Blonde. It's so exciting to have a storefront guest. So thank you, Jackie, so, so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I think that this is going to be a very, very exciting episode. It's going to be a very different perspective about what it means to run a business because you actually have a storefront rather than just like an Instagram page. And so there's a lot more to consider here. So Jackie, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so yeah, my name is Jackie. Um, I'm originally from Kitchener, Ontario. moved to Ottawa about uh, 10 years ago now. Um, I am a mother of two. I, as you mentioned, I own Strawberry Blonde Bakery. Um, I'm a passionate vegan. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's about it, me in a nutshell. <laughs> so I, I'm actually from around Kitchener, too, so that's oh, really, yeah. really exciting. <laughs> Where from? I'm from around Cambridge, and oh, yeah, yeah. so have you ever been to the Cambridge Mill? Yeah, 
Yes, of course. So that that's that's the restaurant where I actually learned to bake at like 16. They threw me in as a pastry oh, nice. chef and I yeah. figured it out. Um, awesome. So so I also really love that's to a bake. High end place. It's a very high end place. <laughs> yeah. I I loved it. And so yeah. I also love baking. So every time we interview like a bakery or something, I get very very excited about it. So. <laughs> I know my passion of baking came partly from working at the mill and mostly I was like the only like girl in my family so they were always like can you bake us muffins my brothers hated baking and I didn't so I always did that but can you tell me about where did your passion for baking come from um honestly I just love food I love food and I love like sweet food it's always been a passion of mine to eat food I guess um and I guess my passion particularly for vegan baking, just happened when I became vegan, and I just, I lived in Toronto at the time, and there was nothing around that I could find that I really liked, so I just started, like, baking on my own, just because I wanted to eat it, because like I said, I love eating, so, um, there's lots, like, you know, it's a little bit easier to find, yeah, like, just, like, food or whatever, like, just, like, regular savory food, but not necessarily pastry, so it just kind of happened out of becoming vegan that I started baking and experimenting, and and loving vegan, I'm starting to see it as a career choice because I went vegan, I think. Mm-hmm. And do, is there anything particular that inspired you to become vegan? Uh, yeah, I went to um, VegFest in Toronto, and I, so I was already vegetarian, mm-hmm. and I went to VegFest, and it was there that I learned a lot about, you know, the dairy industry um, and the egg industry, and, and particularly dairy in that, you know, if you call yourself a vegetarian, you can't really if you still eat dairy just because of, you know, <laughs> calves, calves, they used the calves to turn it to veal and all that kind of stuff and I just like really was like oh my gosh so <laughs> it was an eye-opening experience for me so I just uh you know I went home and I read a lot of literature that I brought home from from VegFest and Mm-hmm. Just decided to become vegan, yeah. Yeah, for for me, I'm I'm not fully vegan yet. I would hopefully like to get there one day. I am really struggling with the whole dairy thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, not not even all dairy, like milk and stuff. I can accommodate. It's cheese. I mm-hmm. I really like cheese. Um, yeah. I'm I'm Italian. We put it in everything. Um, <laughs> but also like uh the way when I started becoming vegetarian, it was because I went to Ecuador when I was 16. I was in the middle of the Amazon, and they were telling us stories about how the Amazon rainforest gets cut down predominantly to make room for cattle farms for the meat industry. And that was so overwhelming to me to think that we're cutting down environments that will never be replenished the same way again. Not, not for even resources, um, (laughs) but like for meat. Like, you know, like as a, as a vegan or, you know, someone who doesn't drink milk, I, I, I get like, I don't want to say attacked, but questioned a lot being like, well, you know, like, they cut down the Amazon for soy, like, they grow soy. I'm like, yeah, but they grow that soy to feed the cattle. <laughs> <That> <laughs> oh, be, yeah. humans, you know what I mean? So, like... Oh, and it, it's, been, it's been six years, and I still go home, and my brothers are like, would you like some grass? And I'm like, <laughs> I just want not a steak. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's super funny, and be, especially, I think... Like, you're a little bit older than me. I'm only 20, but I've noticed more and more people in my generation especially are going vegetarian. And so having businesses such as yours to accommodate is so, so exciting. Mm -hmm. That movement is awesome for me. Like, I'm 38. And so, you know, it was definitely more rare back then. And to see now, like, especially, like, you're talking about, like, cheese. Like, for sure, like, 12 years ago, vegan cheese was first of all not very good and second of all really hard to find even if you could find it um there was a few 
And then I tried at VegFest, and I actually was like, hey, I can eat this instead. And then, But now like, there's so many good ones. So, Can you give us a bit of a history? Like from the moment you were inspired to start your bakery to now, which is a successful small business with two different locations. Can you tell us a little bit about how that started? Yeah, so uh, I think I mentioned I had gone vegan about 12 or 13 years ago. I, I was working in the film and television industry, and I wanted a career change just because I couldn't stay in the industry. I love the art form, and I love film and television, but I just really hated working in the industry. So I knew I wanted to change careers, but I didn't know what. And I had just uh, decided to become vegan, and I think I mentioned that I couldn't find any really tasty vegan pastries or treats anywhere so I was just at home constantly baking for myself and my boyfriend who's my now husband made some offhand comment while I was baking he's like you know you should open up your own vegan bakery and when he said that it was like a light bulb wow <laughs> <laughs> and I was like you know what I should because I wanted I knew I wanted to open or run my own business like be my own boss um so I started thinking about it more and I decided you know if I was going to do it I wanted to do it right and learn as much as possible about the craft before um delving into such an expensive endeavor. So I enrolled at George Brown College as pastry, their pastry and baking arts program. Mm-hmm. It's in Toronto, so that, that's in Toronto. And I did that for two years. So it was a baking and pastry arts management program. So the second year you specialize in, in uh, you know, sourdough breads and wedding cakes and sugar work and also management classes okay. and entrepreneur classes. Um, when I was finished that, I moved to Ottawa because my husband got a job at the University of Ottawa, and I thought that it would be a great place to open up a vegan bakery, um, just because I think Ottawa has a bit of a better, talking about work-life balance, it seems to like not be as quite of a, like, you know, busy city as Toronto is, and in a good way, you know, like, mm-hmm. it would be less expensive to open up here than in Toronto, and be a little bit less uh, competitive. Oh, um, I imagine. Yeah, so, so I... Moved to Ottawa, absolutely loved it. Um, started two market stands, one at the Lansdowne Market and at the Little Italy Market. And um, not everything was gluten free or nut free then. It was all vegan, but I had gluten free options. And it was at these market stands that I got a lot of customer feedback and like a lot of people learned. A lot, a lot of people that might have a you know a dairy allergy also had a, a, another allergy, so maybe to gluten or to eggs, or they often often people don't just have one allergy; they have more than one. So I really I talk. The markets are great because you can talk one-on-one to customers mm-hmm. with a very and like try experiment with yourself with a very low overhead um at the time the Lansdowne market didn't run all year long so I had to get a job in the winter and I got a job at Rainbow Foods which is now a natural food pantry on Richmond Road mm-hmm. and uh it was there I met my former business partner who was also doing very similar things um but rather than doing market stands she was doing craft shows and she was really really adamant that we should Start, start a business together and I was a little bit like ah, I don't really know you but, <laughs> but maybe we you know let's see um so she made a Queen Elizabeth cake um for for Rainbow's foods one day and mm-hmm. I put the bath there and I ate it and I was like this is the most delicious thing I've ever eaten and I was like this person needs to be my business partner not my competition <laughs> so I was like you know what let's do it so we uh we started we did a Christmas market and from there, it just snowballed. And Rainbow Foods took our products um, on their shelves, so they started selling our products. Um, we started selling Herb and Spice on Bank. But it was hard because you're working full-time, and then you go home and you bake. Yep. And then you, and you decide that, like, you want to, like, start a business, so they have to write a business plan and start a website and, like, do all this stuff. So, like, you literally like, you don't sleep ever. Um, <laughs> so we, we decided. 
decided to just quit our jobs because we were going crazy because you were working 24 hours a day. Um, and at that point, Rainbow Foods was so nice. And even though we had just quit our jobs, they said, we have a kitchen in the basement that we never use and we'll let you rent it at cost until you find something better. We were like, what? <laughs> this is so nice. So we did that for about six months while still selling on their shelves and on Herb and Spice. And we did a cup and found another wholesale um, place. And we did that until we found our space in Wellington West, which was behind the bagel shop. Um, and while writing a business plan and all that stuff. And we opened up there always with the intention of doing a lot of wholesale and just having, this is a great space in the sense that like people could pick up a birthday cake if they wanted to order or just custom sugar cookies. But then as soon as we opened our doors there, like the retail side just took off like crazy. And it was just constant growth from, from that point on. It just, it was more about us learning how to run a business (laughs) and do what we do and still bake and hire staff and do all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then she left. The, my business partner decided to leave because she had a lot of personal uh, stuff going on, and she found running a business too stressful. Um, so I, that was hard because I had to figure out. We didn't. I didn't know how anything about shares or anything like that. <laughs> so I buy her shares and how that works. And it, it was very amicable uh, departure. We're still friends. Um, and but she left now. This business was my own, and so I just kept moving forward and. You know, I decided that we were just growing so much that we needed to open up a second location because we also got Farm Boy as a wholesale client, which is awesome, but they're huge. And I knew they were expanding like crazy. So if we wanted to keep up with them, I had to, you know, open up a second space and also just a better space mm-hmm. because we we outgrew that space and also wasn't really well set up for that level of production. Um, so I started looking into uh, opening a second location, which in some ways was a little bit harder um, than opening a first because the hard part about opening a second location is that people have expectations now, right? So <laughs> you got to live up to those expectations and make sure that everything's consistent and all that and just go on. And it's more expensive the second time around. It costs a little bit more money to, you know, not a little bit, a lot more money to start at something, you know, from scratch and build an actual kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that costs a lot of money. And then so, but you know, thankfully it all worked out. That was probably the most stressful time was opening up Canada. was definitely the most stressed out I've probably ever been in, in my business <laughs> life. Um, but we opened and it all worked out and it was great. Um, so that's kind of how we got to the two locations. Wow. Yeah. That was like, a very, uh, like, inspirational story. <laughs> like, that was a very, like, from scratch passionate story. Yes, it was. It was literally from zero dollars to to this you know it was, we had nothing we started with nothing just an idea okay um, yeah. so just a couple of questions just for the sake of my understanding so the first like independent location opened in 2013 right yeah. Yeah. and then when did the second one open uh 2018 okay okay so that's like a that's a very good size gap but a lot of growth and can i just say that it's so exciting that you're partnering up with not only other local bakeries but very up-and-coming larger businesses such as Farm Boy. That's yeah. huge. So yeah. very, congratulations. Like, <laughs> you should be very, very proud of how far you've come. But you. it sounds like you really started from this place of nothing to something. I think it's great that this was, like, your second career. So there's a couple things I took away from this, is that you started in the film industry, and that was probably your first initial step into your career and then you decided to flip that around and it really shows that once you get into one career you don't need to stay in it and people can really change what they want to do if it makes them happy 
Absolutely. And, and I think, that is such an like, important life lesson, I think, is, you know, I'm not, I don't consider myself, like, an anxious person or, you know, I don't struggle with that sort of anxiety or whatever, but I remember being in film and television and just being so anxious and, like, I hated it. Because mm-hmm. I thought, because I felt trapped. You know what I mean? I felt like this is what I've wanted since I was, you know, 15 years old. I've wanted to work at MTV. I wanted, and I was working there, you know, and I, I was living what I thought was my dream and I hated it. <laughs> like, I hated it. And I, to, to admit that to myself, that admit that, admit that to the people around me was really hard, you know, because I, I had a lot of friends that worked in that industry as well. And it's just, but then once I made that change, you know, and just knowing that you, you can change, like, life is all about change and it's okay to change and maybe you grow out of something and that's okay you know and I think that's a really important life lesson to have no matter what it is whether it's your career whether it's a relationship whether whatever it is we can we always have the ability to change something you mm-hmm. know? and I really love that story because in a big important part of this podcast is not only to bring your business publicity but to really explain to all of our listeners that there is a whole story behind every small business. And whenever they support a small business, they're not just supporting their finances, they're supporting your vision and your dreams and the people behind it. So that's so exciting to hear. But it also sounds like this was very, like not just baking, but owning a business was very, very new to you. And so one of the questions I did have here was, did you ever go to business school? And it sounds like you went to baking school. So let's start with that. So as a business owner, of course, you need to be able to manage finances, employees, paperwork, they're all important (laughs) things that occur to manage not just front of house, but everything that goes on behind it. So how, like, is what, I don't know, like, what steps did you take to learn all about it? Sounds like it must have been a lot. Yeah, it it wasn't, to be honest, I'm still learning it. You know, I don't, I don't know everything about it for sure. Um, But yeah, there was an entrepreneurship class that we were, we took at George Brown as well as some other like costing exercises we did in other classes and stuff and it was okay I mean it's not like it was completely a waste of time but I don't think that there's not really much you can learn until you're actually doing it right mm-hmm. so because everything in the class stage is just abstract right but when you're actually dealing with your actual life and finances like that's a little bit different um and I always think back to like my teenage um job when I worked at Dairy Queen for six years <laughs> and I there I think I learned so much about what I'm doing now like I I was super interested in the business side of things looking back now you know I, I as soon as I you know started there I was like I want to learn about how to schedule staff I want to learn about how to do bank deposits I want to learn how to order ingredients and those are all skills that I took to ultimately where I am now so um I think experience is really important and like working out at other places doesn't necessarily have to be exactly what you're working at, but wherever you're you're working or whatever you're doing, try to learn as much as possible. Not just you know showing up and doing bare minimum, mm-hmm. like learning. Um, so there's that, but also you know when we started, we didn't know anything about that. And that was what was hard. Like I didn't know how to hire employees or employ like you know con- job contracts and like you know non disclosure agreements and. Mm-hmm taxes and payroll and all that kind of stuff right like I didn't know so it's really important to seek out professionals that do know that and specifically know that about a retail food business for me because retail food is very different from a lot of other retail mm-hmm. um and just other businesses I found we had an accountant they weren't very good um or maybe they, maybe they're fine but they didn't understand what we were doing that's okay but one of the uh so the loan that we first got was futurepreneur and one of the criteria of getting the loan is that you had to have a mentor. 
which was really useful looking back. Um, he was able to look at our books and kind of tell us, hey, like, you don't raise your prices, you're going to go under. Like, hey, your accountant's not really doing a good job, I'm going to find you a different accountant. So he was really, really good at kind of guiding us while we worked on the day-to-day of just baking. Um, and then he found us a new accountant, which I'm still with, and I think finding a really good accountant that understands what you're doing is really important because they, they've guided me to, like, learn stuff. And it, it, if they didn't know the answer themselves, they would, you know, suggest other resources where I could go. And I think that's an important thing to, like, mm-hmm. recognize that you don't, you don't know everything. And then there are lots of resources out there. You just have to be able to ask and to learn and, you know, unfortunately pay as well. <laughs> like, it costs money to, like, get some of these resources. And when you're brand new starting out, you can't afford it, right? Mm-hmm. But eventually, like, you get there and you learn and you learn by trial and error. And I think that's also, it took me a long time to get used to the fact that we weren't just the two of us starting out and that we, we grew so quickly and suddenly we had, you know, eight staff, 15 staff, 20 staff, where in my head it was two or three of us. And getting past that, you know, that initial, like, idea that, like, oh, no, my, my job has changed, right? And, like, mm-hmm. people see, see me differently and see the bakery differently because it is different. But I was still thinking, oh, we're still a startup, we're still a startup, <laughs> And we're still struggling, you know, and it wasn't until about the five-year mark that I really felt like I learned how to do a lot of things, and the nice thing is that I actually like doing a lot of paperwork and stuff. I like doing the business side of things, um, which is good. I think that helps Strawberry Blonde Bakery, <laughs> like, you know, thrive. Like, I don't ever bake anymore, um, partly because, you know, I've there's lots of other people out there, like a lot of people that work at the bakery that are much better at baking than I am, that are much better at cake decorating than I am, and, stuff. <laughs> and, and I like doing the business side of things, so I think that helps in our growth, so, yeah. What I what I really love about that, that narrative you just told was you didn't wait until you were ready, you didn't wait till you were an expert, you didn't wait till no. you were a thousand percent confident, you dived head first, and you really took a risk. And one word that you didn't use there is that you said, I wasn't a startup anymore. But the word you're looking for there is successful. You are very, very successful. And I think you should be very proud of that accomplishment. You've made it very you know, far. That's really nice to say. And I, one of the things I wanted to talk about in this podcast was um, to see, to hear that from an outsider is very interesting because as entrepreneurs, it's or for me anyways, as an entrepreneur, it was really hard to not see myself as a failure for the first few years. Um, because, and that sounds weird, but it's because, like, you risk everything, right? Like, you're risking your, your time. You're risking, like, taking a traditional path in life of, you know, just getting a 9-to-5 job or whatever it might be and getting savings and having RRSPs and getting a mortgage and all that stuff. Whereas, like, you know, everybody around you is kind of doing that, and you're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. Mm-hmm. I'm starting this business and it might not work out and I feel like a failure and I'm asking everybody I know for money. <laughs> you know, I'm asking my, my husband for money. My parents let me money. My sister let me money. My grandma let me money. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. not, it wasn't just me. Like, I'm asking a lot of a lot of other people. And so I was terrified and I felt like a failure. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? But at a certain point, you get too far that you can't really turn back, <laughs> you know? And so, and also, you really, I really believed in it. Um, and it wasn't until the five-year mark that I didn't feel like a failure anymore. And I think that that's an important discussion to, for entrepreneurs to start having, that you feel like that, you know what I mean? And like maybe to the outside, people see this success of, of in my case, Strawberry Blonde, and they're like, oh, it's so successful, so successful, but I didn't feel like a success. 
you know, until about five years in, which is a Mm -hmm. long time. But that's okay because businesses do take a very, very long time. Like, and I felt the same way when I started my business. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I never even, I don't don't know what, like, like you said, like a stock. What's that? Like my co-owner Andrew and I have had this fight a long time, and he keeps trying to tell me what a stock is. I'm like, you're not helping me here. But um, (laughs) like, but it's but you should be very proud. But that being said, like, what component of your business or like what's a very distinct moment that you remember in its development that you were like, I am the most proud of this hmm. it's hard there's a lot of moments like that and it's a lot of ups and downs um i think opening canada like opening the second location was definitely a distinct like okay this happened because it took a long time you know like maybe to the outside i'm not sure how it looks down that but the outside it maybe just oh we just did it and that was great but it took a couple of years actually mm-hmm. um from the idea to happen and, and it was a lot of working with you know just hurdle after hurdle after hurdle to get there so I remember that moment of like opening the door to the customers and like it was just like such a distinctive moment in in that like we did like I did it you know we did it um so there was that one um I think also this maybe sounds a little bit less uh triumphant but I I keep talking about my accountant but he uh every year at the end of our, our my year end we have a meeting and we sit down and we discuss everything and it was probably again about the five year mark um where we went over everything and I just felt like like a failure like I had nothing in the bank I had all these employees that were relying on this as their job and you know um and he said to me at the end he's like okay well you know you're doing really well in a couple of years you're going to have $150,000 in the bank I can see by the the trajectory of your your sales and we got to start thinking about what you're going to do with that money and I was like what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, I don't have any money. You see my bank account. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, no. He's like, I can see it. And so having somebody that can see the, the, the big picture as well and kind of like cheer you on as a cheerleader, and that's kind of what my accountant has done, which is a weird thing to say, um, and see the big picture and project in the future. And then once he said that, I, I came away from that meeting, and I remember I just went to Bridgeton, and I got myself a latte, and I sat down, and I was like, I feel like a success finally. Wow. Money where I can actually do something with this. And I did this and I can pay my loans back and I can do all these (laughs) things. You know what I mean? Like all this work is finally paying off. But I, I couldn't see that without, at that time I didn't see it. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I, you're just so in the day to day grind of like just getting everything done in a day. And it's it's hard to remember to look at the big picture. And so I think surrounding yourself with people that can help you look at the big picture is also really important. So that's amazing. yeah, yeah. And then I had all sorts of other questions about like what was most challenging for you and what inspired you to make accommodations to dietary preferences. And you already answered all of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're such a great storyteller. Thanks. Well, I went to film school. So, let me dive into a couple other questions. Like, I, I have two big ones in particular. So, my first one is: is you've clearly had. What would be almost like what? Can I can I do math? Two thousand thirteen, two thousand one. So like like eight 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 yeah, years eight, eight years eight of years. success. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could do math. <laughs> um, so, but it sounds like you have eight years of constant growing success, and then all of a sudden COVID hits, yeah. and like you said, yeah. you have these employees, um, yeah. and now you need to accommodate to things <laughs> like Uber Eats and pickup orders. How has COVID-19 in particular impacted your business? Um, uh, <laughs> it's a big story, but, like, really, it, I, I learned a lot. 
you know, you spend everybody spends a lot of time worrying about things that maybe never happen, and we all nobody expected this giant pandemic to happen. At least I didn't, anyways. And then when it happened, I didn't know that I was considered an essential business, and there was so much anxiety at the bakery and in the world, and I didn't know what to do. And I saw all these other businesses closing their doors around me, and it was like people were getting sick, like in the world, and I. I just decided, okay, I don't want anybody, I don't want any of my staff to feel like they have to come to work. So how do I do that, right? Like I want, everybody's situation is different. I don't know all their situations. Like maybe they live with their grandparents. Maybe they have a respiratory illness or like an existing one that I don't know about or whatever. So I just decided to close the bakery, temporarily lay off all my staff and then see what happened, right? Um, Just for the safety of what, Mm -hmm. of of them and my customers and myself. and it was, it was, that was hard. That was probably actually the hardest part of, of the strawberry blonde of, for me. Um, I remember the day we announced it and just sitting at our Westboro location and just watching all the customers come in and line up and listening to them talk about the bakery and what it meant to them with each other, like complete strangers. And I just broke down. I, I just went to that and I just cried for like half an hour. Like I, I couldn't, I don't think I ever realized that until that moment what the bakery meant to Ottawa and to those people. Um, and that's really what I learned out of the whole thing of, of COVID, just how much we actually mean to the community. Um, and then we shut down, and I, uh, I recognize now that what I was doing was grieving. I, I was grieving my business. I didn't know what was going to happen, and it was like the death of a business. You know, you spent, I spent seven years of my life building this, and I was finally feeling like, you know, we just opened Canada. <laughs> I just moved my original location to a bigger, more prominent location. And if I hadn't have done those things, it maybe wouldn't have been as bad, but I had all these expenses that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I needed to learn, okay, so I, I had to call the banks. It's not like I ever had a downturn, it's not like I closed and did nothing. I had to close and go back into the bakery and make sure everybody got paid, go back and call the bank and say, what can you do for me? Call my landlord, what can you do for me? Um, and I very quickly learned that I had a lot of bills to pay <laughs> and a lot of responsibilities. And if I wanted to survive, I would have had to, I would have to open up in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't still really ready. I was having panic attacks, and um, but it was actually Farm Boy that called me first. Uh, my the, our contact at Farm Boy, and the first thing he asked me was, "Are you okay?" And I remember just being sidelined by that question. You know, like I was just like, "No, I'm not okay." <laughs> and uh, he was offering to call it, offer their support, but also asking if we would come back to bake for them. And I said, "I don't know. I don't know what. I don't want anybody to feel forced." to come to work and so he said think about it but we really want to keep having your products like you mean a lot to our customers and even hear that to hear farm boys say that to me I was like what <laughs> you know and it really gave me motivation to try to pick myself up and, and start something again mm-hmm. um so I sent out an email to my staff saying absolutely no pressure but if anybody wants to come back this is what's happening um and about half the staff were like yes we want to come back and pour it at home <laughs> or whatever it might be or I, you know so half the people came back at both locations and we started doing wholesale again for Farm Boy and also a couple places that were still open. A lot of places of time shut down because we did a lot of smaller cafes and stuff too, which is so sad. Um, so we were doing that mainly out of Canada. Out of Westboro, we started doing curbside pickup, um, which was crazy because I didn't have an online store set up. So it's literally like I would say, here's our menu on Instagram and Facebook. Email me by this date what's what your order is. And then I have to email them back coordinate get their e-transfer <laughs> deposit the money i literally it was like opening a business again i was getting zero sleep like nothing for 
few weeks on end, and then I guess to the point where I can, I was like, I can't do this anymore. My husband was like, you can't do this anymore. So he, thank God for me, he's a data scientist, so he built our online store for free. Because I was like, well, that stores are really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else to be like, but it's incredibly expensive, and I wasn't generating any income really. So, uh, so he did that, which was awesome, and that changed my life. We it's more streamlined now. It, it actually is better than even what we were doing before COVID. Um, so we did that. We started doing curbside pickup, and then it was a balance of how do we take all these orders, but we only had half the staff, and then we were we were too busy with the amount of staff that we had, right? So it was trying to balance that, um, and then eventually, you know, we opened up again. You know, one day a week to the, just for curbside, like just for takeout or whatever. Um, not having any seating or anything like that, and then eventually we're open up seven days a week again, um, which was awesome. And then bringing, you know, we're not back up to as many as the before COVID. We probably had just under forty, and now we're forty staff, and now we're about thirty-two. Mm-hmm. So not quite to the same level, but um, we're getting there. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I want to get there again. Um, but lockdowns are hard for sure. You know, when we weren't in a lockdown, guys were getting really good again. Um, but then with lockdowns, like, you know, people don't leave, which is totally understandable. They don't leave, want to leave their house. And so it's just hard. And it's also just shifted the way we do business a little bit in the sense, you know, holidays were always a big deal, mm-hmm. um, like Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving for bakeries. But now it's like any little, any, not little day, but any day, like Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, even Pi Day. <laughs> so people want something to look forward to, right? Mm-hmm. So they, those days have become like much more meaningful and than they were before, whereas the day-to-day at the bakery's kind of gotten less, but the, these holidays have become so big, so now we <laughs> kind of plan, start planning in a different way, right? Sorry, I'm only laughing because I work at a retirement home, and uh-huh. at my retirement home, we're not allowed to do any group activities. We cannot encourage them to do anything and it's so crazy so we had to do like national banana day we got to the point that i was writing not happy national banana day on bananas and putting up like like i find you appealing type jokes because that that's like how low we got in the pandemic that i'm like we can't do anything for you yeah but i could do i could give you a banana like (laughs) so and then find something unique about the day otherwise it's just the same right or you can't do anything and i'm guessing things like like uber eats and other platforms such as that was able to help you a bit as well right yeah definitely our uber and and doordash have we had uber before it was never a big deal but that's definitely become a bigger deal mm-hmm. um it's definitely helped a little bit but i would say being open for takeout is is crucial like even when we were just doing curbside pickup or if we were just doing curbside pickup now like the sales wouldn't be nothing okay. in comparison so i my heart goes out to those businesses that aren't considered essential businesses and aren't even allowed to to do that you know what i mean like that's really if we weren't be allowed to be open for takeout like we have one customer at a time so you know things are slowed down a little bit but it's still it's something right mm-hmm. so that's still the main thing and, like, I know, like, uh, you are a very busy businesswoman, and so Jackie has meetings to get to, and I'm taking up so much of her time, but one last question before I let you go is, do you have any big inspirations for the future of your business? Like, I feel like you're at this point, like, this is it, like, I've come this far, but it sounds like you're growing and you're growing. Do you have any big future goals? Uh, yeah, I always do, which is crazy like I sometimes I think I'm a crazy person like right now I'm I have these ideas of what I want to do and I'm actually (laughs) 
going to banks, going to places and trying to like, you know, writing business plans of my next, what I want to do next. Um, and part of me thinks I'm crazy because I'm like, why don't you just relax, Jackie? <laughs> you had, you know, starting a business is crazy. Then your business partner left. Then you opened up Canada. Then you moved your location. And then COVID happened. Like, why don't you just let this be for a little bit? But no, I'm like, I'm crazy. And I just want to do the next thing. So um, I can't really reveal what it is yet because it might not even happen. That's COVID okay. Also, COVID has also, like, shaped the the financial world in a way that's very different from even a few years ago and lenders are being a lot more conservative about what they're willing to lend out and you know maybe there's a good reason for that maybe i don't really know i'm in my own little naive strawberry going bakery world being like why can't everybody just be happy in these cupcakes you know like maybe it is too risky to to think of the next um idea that i have but that's just i guess who i am and um i'm always thinking about what what i can do next and to go back to our original mission which is to you know provide these treats for people that wouldn't normally have it, you know, or that not have that option. So mm-hmm. I just want to keep pushing with with our mission and our philosophies and, and keep moving forward. So the most important thing for our listeners to know is order from Uber Eats. You have pizza now, like barbecue jackfruit pizza, and yes. big things are coming in the future. Let's hope. <laughs> I think so. I think that you have such incredible drive and ambition and obviously – a great support behind you, which I think is so important because not everyone has that. And so I think without a doubt, you have very, very big things happening in the future. And I know that your business started back in 2013, but you have been handling it fantastically ever since. So if you don't hear it enough, um, allow me to say congratulations. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Thank you. Really My awesome. pleasure. So I, I know Jackie, uh, like I said, the very big businesswoman has places to go. So I'm going to wrap up. But Jackie, I just want to say thank you so, so much for your thank time. You. And well, thank you for, yeah, it's really nice of you to to take your time to include me in this. It's really nice. Oh, it's my pleasure. This has been such an insightful episode and I'm so excited to see the future of Strawberry Blonde Bakery. Um, I spend half my time in the kitchen making my own cupcakes, but when I get a chance to take a break, I'm going to come get some of yours because mine are definitely not vegan um, and I want to give them a try. But for any of our listeners that are looking to support Jackie at Strawberry Blonde Bakery, you could always go to her Instagram. It's at blondebaking.com on Instagram and that that's where you could find the website you could find her on Uber Eats if you're located in Ottawa and you said also DoorDash right yeah yeah. and that way you could place orders and this is an amazing small business to support and obviously of course it's accommodating to an all range of diets and I'm so so excited for you all to try it and give us some feedback about how it is but without thank you so much Oh, thank you so much, Jackie. Well, but without further ado, I'd like to thank our listeners. I'd like to thank Jackie for such an amazing episode. And as always, you could check, you could find out more details about Jackie's business, Strawberry Blonde Baking, on our Instagram at NVHD Podcast. And without further ado, thank you so much, everybody. Have a really great day. Thank you. Put your wings up, so put your wings up. Slow.